when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fake Britain in half an hour shining a light on dangerous counterfeit goods. But first, there's nothing fake or dangerous about The One Show. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones The Walking Dead Westworld No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Welcome and thrice the brinded one show cat muse a welcome to the the one show show your regular delve into BBC One's flagship early evening mediocre cast as we go through a week's worth of it with all the analytical gusto of TV's Gillian McKeith you remember peering at the contents of an arse stool I am John Holmes and yes once again yep mm, while you've been busy watching the bridge Game of Thrones or whatever we've been watching the one show because we hate ourselves. This week, among other treats, the homeless are ignored, Prince Harry's beard becomes a lady's foo-foo, and they've got an inedible cake as a guest. It can only be the one show. Great. Joining me are two guests who were available at short notice. It's Wrestle Me podcast giant and man Mark Haynes and making her the the, 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 the one show 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 debut, noted radio producer, on-air pundit, and basically, from when I was at Talk Radio, a work experience who wouldn't go away, it's all round Ellie Clifford. Ellie Clifford! Give scant applause! applause! Because you have to come in and enter from backstage a little bit like the guests do on The One Show. Ellie, welcome! Hello! Hello! That's the best welcome I've ever had from you. Well, yes, uh, don't get used to it. I mean, The One Show is a, it's, what should we, what should we say? Awful! Yes, Mark, that is one word for it, but what I, what... We've watched much of it. We, you've done this before. Mm. It's not your first time on this. I, I have to struggle through it every single week. But Ellie, you bring, I, I, I think, A, this is your The The One Show show virginity well and truly taken. And B, you're young, so you're going to bring a millennial view of The One Show. And I just wonder if I'm just missing something, like I'm with most things that you people are into. 
No, it's awful. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> I think you're going to have that millennial thing because millennials <laughs> don't like fun. I thought they'd go, so we really like the one show. You you older people, you like your alcohol and your drugs and your disco dancing. Yeah. Whereas us young people like earnestness and gender debates. So I would have thought you'd have been like, I love the one show because as a millennial, I find it both tepid and dry. But that's what I love about the one show because it doesn't matter how old you are, it's bad. <laughs> it's the great leveller is what it is. Can I just say, by the way, before we go on any further, there's, we're recording this, but there's, there's there's what seems to be a rap party happening <laughs> th- next door to us for some television programme. Like it's quite loud. If it, if it leaks through, I'm just explaining that it, there's something going on. It's important that people know if there's the sound of a good time, yeah. it's not from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should imagine, because we're in the middle of London, it is probably another podcast being recorded. <laughs> it, it's Atletico Mints. <laughs> Uh, okay, so look, let's let's begin. I mean, we an overall view, Ellie, of of the one show. Before we get into the specifics of the programmes, uh, is it something you watched anyway? I mean, what's your experience of the one show? I really hate admitting that I am a millennial. Yeah, but I am, and I don't have a TV license. So my experience. Whoa! <laughs> hang on, this 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 podcast is over. Good lord! <laughs> I'm not having. You can't watch the the one the one show without paying for it. Well, my boyfriend has a TV license. And I also go to the gym where they play it. Oh, you can afford the gym, but you <laughs> cannot afford to pay Alex Jones's salary. I am a young. Well, she can, but not something. Matt Baker's, obviously, because that's, that's another millennial pay gap issue. No, I feel like what I really need to point out here, right, is that I live in London and in my early twenties. I don't have a living room, let alone a TV. That's a fair, that's a fair point. Yeah, because we older people have taken it from you. I mean, I mean, as a, a millennial who lives in London with no living room, I can actually sort of see that going to prison for non-payment of a TV licence would give you more room. Yeah, I get more benefits from it. <laughs> so what did you, when you watch this illegally, what do you, what's your overview though? What do you take from it? I mean, it's very cute, isn't it? In Is a it? bad way. It's kind of hard to hate it, but I still do. But you, you're more tolerant of things, you know, yeah, whereas we're, 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 we're gammon to yeah. use the current. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, we're angry gammon, whereas you're, what are you, uh, Avocado eating. Yeah, no, I was just trying to liken you to a bit of meat. What oh. sort of meat? That sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah. Again, hashtag me too. Can't do that That's anymore. Not, no, thank you. Yeah, thank God you're here. We were having a laugh that Alex Jones wasn't paid as much as the man. We then asked a millennial to explain what meat she was. I mean, this is going, uh, if I may say, John, terribly. I know it is. And we let it all this out. But the. Let's take a by the oh sorry the other thing I should say of course Ellie is we're recording this the day before the royal wedding yes mm. that's right yeah so by the time this has be, become a podcast however that works uh, <laughs> the, the royal wedding will be over and I, I look forward to that day <laughs> I mean I honestly from watching the one show feel like I have watched the royal wedding maybe four times over oh, already <laughs> they've gone mad on the wedding this week every single day has been nothing but royal wedding stories and one non-royal wedding story yeah just because they think they've got to balance it up but mo- but even that they've linked back around somehow to the royal wedding i am now full to bursting of packages of the people of windsor oh. and how they're adapting oh God. the hotels of windsor and how they're adapting the pubs of windsor and how they're adapting the homeless of oh no they didn't mention them no, the homeless, they, did they didn't very very they stayed didn't. away from the homeless i i watched monday's show and monday's show had a long long section about the people of windsor getting ready for the royal wedding 
And it wasn't really about the people of Windsor getting ready. It was about the people of Windsor who were cashing in. So they went to a big hotel and they had a suite there. They were saying, oh, it's getting a royal makeover, which was a man painting it grey. Um, <laughs> just keeping that royal thing in the forefront of everyone's mind. And they mentioned that a couple of the suites were going for 10 grand yeah. a night. 10 grand. Uh, and then they went to see a family who were giving up their cottage on like an Airbnb. Mm. And they were trying to get two grand a night for that as well. And they had this funny thing of going, we sort of need to say, is this not a bit ugly to do this? They interviewed the maid who was changing the beds in that hotel. Yeah. Okay. And they were, and I was looking at it and they were showing you around the room. It's just a bog standard hotel room that's possibly about 140 quid a night. If that, if yeah. that. She said they had a royal special deal on, which was their top offer. And the reporter said, so what's the royal special? And she said, we will put some slippers out for you. We're putting some extra little treats in for the wedding. Crown-shaped biscuits, chocolates, obviously champagne packages, and a royal turndown in the evening. What's a royal turndown? <laughs> Bathrobe and slippers will be laid out for you. Just like the royals would have. Just like the royals would have. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's worth the extra four grand. <laughs> but what was interesting, Ellie, is that the hotel room had a living room, which something you won't identify with at all. I mean, it's something I can only aspire to. But my favourite thing about it was, so I watched Tuesday's episode, uh, and they had clearly interviewed everybody in Windsor and had run out of people to interview because they then started to interview international journalists. Yes, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> a, a woman from Network 10 in Australia, yes. a so, CNN journalist. A guy from like the Portuguese News Corporation. Yeah. It, literally eating itself. Yeah, and eating itself. These people's jobs are to go and ask people of Windsor what, like, about the royal wedding because they don't know. And so the one show, line them up and then ask them, what do you know? I mean, now, there was a, what was interesting about it this week, because obviously they covered the royal wedding in every, every, every... <laughs> yeah, permutation, yeah. And they had to invite, invite the guests on the sofa to join in. What I liked about it was the, the disinterest of some of the guests. Yeah. But when they weren't interested, they tried to sort of move it on to other things because it wasn't fitting the agenda of the one show and what they'd been told to do. There was the actor who's called Lee Ingleby, who is in a new thing on ITV called Innocence. Yeah. And they came back to him a couple of times afterwards and they were doing that awkward thing where they'd obviously spoken to him during the piece and they'd said, so you're looking forward to it? And he'd clearly gone, no, I'm, I'm not very keen on it. So when they came back after the package, they'd have to go, so uh, you, you might not be that keen on it, but uh, it's going to be a good time for Windsor. You know? <laughs> Lee, you were saying that the royal wedding is not really on your radar at the moment. Is it now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you have to willingly submerge your hatred of monarchy if yeah. you're going to be on the one show this week. I think that's true, unless you're Joe Brand, who just very clearly absolutely did not care. They had John Richardson and Joe Brand, mm -hmm. right? And more disinterested they could not be in the <laughs> royal wedding agenda that was being pushed onto them. Um, Ellie, do you think uh, it was Joe or John Richardson that was that was least interested? I. I think John did the whole, oh, yeah, you know, a wedding, isn't that great? Whereas Joe was just like, could not care less, yeah. did not care. Uh, so you see, there's a lot to celebrate today. Just a shame, though, we've booked two guests who have variously described themselves as bleak, pernickety, miserable. Someone who nothing interesting will ever happen to. Stubborn, a national disgrace. The list goes on. So please welcome <laughs> a pair of stubborn, miserable, national disgraces, the very funny Joe Brown and John Richardson. Hey! <laughs> well, that is some list. Now, who said what there? Who's the national disgrace? 
Of course, of course. Oh, it is. Yeah. Why? I, I can guess his pernickety as well. Oh, excuse me. I mean, I can't disagree. <laughs> I, would, I would just prove your point, to be honest, if I did. Some, someone nothing ever interesting would happen to, John? That's me, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, loads of interesting things have happened to me. Yeah, and I'm still just a regional disgrace. I mean, I'm hoping to get to the Nationals. Look, you're both I mean, here tonight. That's mm, interesting, right? Yes. Are we going to cheer up now? We've got an hour with you two. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> after the high-octane start over here, we've just slightly toned it down over here. <laughs> but that's lovely. That's we can right. swap. These guys can come on. We can sit and watch, can't we? Yeah, we, we can. We haven't rehearsed for that. No, we haven't uh, planned. Um, Did you see that thing with Emma Thompson this week being interviewed on, I think, Australian television? She was doing She was doing interviews about King Lear, was it? Something and like that, and they asked her about the royal wedding. And I then, didn't see and her they, they said, well, what would you make of the royal wedding? And she just said, well, I don't know. I don't know them i mean surely you wish them wish them all the best and she went well i i mean i wish them all the best but i could, could can you stop asking me this stop asking people this stop it she just sort of summed up the mood of a nation it's like the one shows kind of thinks it's got to join in with yeah. all of the pubs that have put bunting up it's like the nation's pub uh, and it's put some forced bunting up and you will bloody enjoy it i did something this week i've not done before and i looked at the hashtag hashtag the one show oh yeah to see what people are saying you might sort of go well just have a look at what they tweet to the the official one show twitter account they don't find it because it's at bbctheoneshow.com. So nobody... No, not .com. I'm, 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 I'm 105. Um, <laughs> Ellie, do you want to clue him in as to how the internet works? So there's something called a hashtag. <laughs> I worked so hard to get through the hashtag Twitter handles and then the internet. It's just all too much. And uh, they, they, a lot of people have been really massively turned off of the one show because of the wall-to-wall -wall royal coverage. Oh, so that's what it takes. There's, oh. there's one here from Neil Turner on the 16th of May, which would have been Wednesday, so the third day they were doing their blanket coverage. Uh, and he wrote, hashtag the one show, that's it, had enough of this wedding, you've gone over the top and you've spoilt the occasion. <laughs> I, I found John Richardson's disinterest to be... Because they struggled because they were going, right, happy, happy occasion. And they're doing this countdown, go, oops, only a few days to the wedding. Uh, but uh, John Richardson's thing, of course, the comedian John Richardson, is to be miserable about stuff and mm. worry about stuff. So they, they knew they had to do that. And then they knew, but they knew they had to get from happy, happy to... But he played along with it by going, you know, are you interested, you're looking forward to the wedding? He just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a couple of things they did. They actually obviously thought the problem is we have to have a bit of balance. So we have to be aware that some of the five million people who watch the one show are not necessarily going to be that into the royal wedding. So on Monday, Matt did an opening where he said, now, whether you're a fan of the royal wedding or not, this weekend, we have the perfect excuse for a party. And I was thinking, well, if you're not a fan of the Royal Wedding, it's not the perfect <laughs> excuse. But they put that in as an attempt to sort of balance it out. Yeah. Now, when I've been looking online, I found something else as well. And this, I think, is important. So they have not shown balance in this. They have simply said, this is a great occasion. In 2014, there was a complaint made against Paul O'Grady being on The One Show, where he had really slammed the Channel 4 documentary Benefit Street. So he said it was it was horrible because of the way they treated people who were on benefits. Okay. Now, there were some complaints about that, and the BBC responded by saying, a variety of opinions have been heard, but balance need not be addressed simply through a single programme. So it's fine that we're having this week of it, because what that judgment basically is saying is that in a few weeks' time, 
they are going to do a really big kicking of the royal family. <laughs> and I am looking forward to those shows much more than I will, I, I will have done these ones, I tell you. Can I just point out, by the way, as I said, this is this is going out after the, the royal wedding happened and it's a real shame that it went like the red wedding in Game of Thrones and everyone's dead, <laughs> yeah, isn't I, it? That was a, I, no one was expecting it, but the, you know they are now. Well, this it. podcast could not be more inappropriate. As you can hear, the police are here. (laughs) It's very important we're arrested for putting this out in what is a time of national mourning. I mean, the one show covered literally every single aspect of that wedding, but did not predict this. Did you like the array of souvenirs, Ellie? Did you see the one with the array of souvenirs? I didn't see it. This was, um, at the end, it was a show closer. So what they'd done, they got somebody in to just go through all of the memorabilia that people have just invented to make some money over this and there were some highlights one was the queen's face rendered in jelly <laughs> yes that was I good thought that was quite nice yeah. but what you got was a sort of a gainy sort of Lee Inglesby I think as you mentioned mm. sort of prodding the Queen's jelly face on television, <laughs> watching it wobble about. The best thing I liked there was they had a soda stream canister that came with a wedding hat on. <laughs> a little miniature wedding hat. As if added to the wedding party, they'd said, don't forget to invite those 17,000 soda stream canisters. <laughs> and then they the swimsuits, the, the Meghan and Harry swimsuits, which I know they were, they were sort of doing the rounds on that internet, that new fashioned internet that, thing you've heard of. We call it the hashtag machine. Thank you. <laughs> And would you wear this, Ellie? Right, I ask you as a woman that uh, you now are mm. after that operation. And I, uh, bloody millennials. And I, and, I, and I wonder if you'd wear this. It's a, so it's a full-on ladies' swimsuit. One has Megan's face on it, full body, but one has Harry's face on it. But because he has a beard, <laughs> right? The, the area of Harry's beard is unfortunate. If you were to wear a T-shirt to protect yourself from the sun, you would be arrested. It's it's, it's inappropriate. Would I wear it? Well. No. No. However, I cannot wait for the leaked photos of their honeymoon to see them both in one of those swimsuits. (laughs) With each other's. Each other's. There was a good discussion. I I think this was on Tuesday of what the one show considered to be the important... Do you know what? I feel so bad for us. We've now fallen into the trap of discussing the royal fucking wedding. But anyway, (laughs) there was a discussion about the the royal kiss. Now, obviously, this will have already happened by now. I don't know what will have happened. You don't know what will have happened. I mean, I'm hoping that being of the royal family, Harry's jaw opened too wide (laughs) like a lizard in the V sci-fi and he he ate Megan. He he just latched down with those tiny needle-like rows of teeth (laughs) over her soft human lips. Bit them off. Let's say he didn't uh, but what they should do in the modern world they're going oh well, the kiss is important it's always been important but no what is important now because it's like 24-7 coverage and we all want more information the consummation right, of that wedding that's the only way to right? go that's, that's what we want live streaming Alexa show me the royal fucking <laughs> <laughs> hey we pay for them yeah bloody right we pay yeah don't hold back what we say <laughs> Uh, Ellie, we, we like to bring an occasional um, uh, handbrake turn of the week, we call it. Uh, this is where the one show, it, what they do very, very well, they do one subject where they go, we're doing a subject, we're doing a subject, we're doing a subject. We finish that subject, we now have to get to the next subject in the most awkward way possible. And that's what they do. We call it handbrake turn of the week. Did you spot one? I mean, there were plenty. Mm. I've got a couple of contenders. Please do. The first one is a visual handbrake of the turn of the week, which was that they kind of went into the show talking about, you know, the royal wedding, and then they did this lovely little bit about the Invictus Games. And then out of nowhere, Dan Snow's on the sofa. No introduction! Noticed. (laughs) Wearing a huge 
shoulder padded jacket like David Byrne in Talking Heads. It was so bizarre. I was like, I almost wanted to be like, have I missed this? Did they introduce him? But just Dan Snow on the side. I don't think they did introduce him. No, there was no intro. None at all. Only because I recognised him did I know. I feel like if you didn't know he was a historian and then he started giving these facts about the royal family, you would think, who is this weirdo that they found on the streets of Windsor that they've brought in to talk about this wedding? Because I hadn't even written that down that they didn't introduce him. It's only that you've said it. I go, oh my God. Before I recognised him, they introduced the Invictus Games bit again all related to the royal wedding obviously yep, Prince Harry yep, and Meghan yep. by having a man who'd been injured in Afghanistan of course uh, who'd gone into cycling I think was yeah he was a right? gold medalist in yeah. cycling at the Invictus Games yeah. but he's now he himself said I, you know in the last royal wedding I was listening to it on a radio wind up radio in Afghanistan and now I can't believe I'm sitting on the one show sofa you know having suffered the tragedies of Afghanistan and you're going which was worse which was worse <laughs> Which was the greatest tragedy. I, I tell you what, he actually had a moment that I didn't think was... I, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, they were showing a little clip of a cleric who had been doing something in one of the cathedrals or wherever, you know, the royal family getting oh, married. Oh, the cartwheel. Cartwheel and cleric. And they said to this chap from the Invictus Games, so will, uh, will you be doing a cartwheel? <laughs> and you can tell it was Alex asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, uh, I'm wearing a kilt, so definitely not. Big laugh. And he was sitting next to Russell T. Davis, the writer of Doctor <laughs> Who. And Russell T. Davis just turned to him and he went, oh, please... And everyone laughed. And the guy looked at him and he went, hmm? And he went, oh, uh, yes, please, in a kilt, yes. And the guy went, hmm. (laughs) He didn't like it at all. He didn't like it at all. He didn't like it at all. And the one thing we remember from um, Kate and William's wedding, or the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, we should say, was the um, cartwheeling clergyman. So are you two going to be drawing any attention to yourselves with such stunts? Look there at he is. that. That's just a pretty good skill. Yeah, that is a bit. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be wearing a kilt, so you're definitely yeah, not yeah, going to be wearing a kilt. Oh, yes, please. not in a kilt? No, no. <laughs> yes, in a kilt. Yes, in a kilt. <laughs> yes, says Russell. Anyway, enjoy yourselves. This is a man. He'd stared death down in Afghanistan, yeah. and he went, do you know what I don't like? Don't like Russell T. Davis making jokes about my sexuality. <laughs> Don't like it at all. <laughs> Rule of Three, a podcast presented by me, Joel Morris, and me, Jason Hazley, in which we talk to people who make comedy about the films, and TV, and books, and records, and comics, and people that make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. Of, I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Han Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while <laughs> being punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> 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 Write your own jokes, been a morning, you lazy bastard. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Dear podcast connoisseur, it's entirely evident that you know your podcast stuff. Why else are you here? That's why I'm here to recommend SmashPod. What a helpful chap. Now, SmashPod is a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. If he's half the genius they say he is, we're in for real trouble. So why not join me as I delve deeply into Bond and Bond-related films, tackling a different film in each episode with an exciting guest by my side. <laughs> I promise you'll have a lovely time. That's putting it mildly, 007. Oh, shut up, Q. Put your fingers away, for God's sake. I hope you don't snork, you. <laughs> and the, but when they, they said, because Alex Jones's little joke, running joke about that was all, will I be the plus one? In the Russell T. Davies program, there was a bit where they, you know, did the classic thing going, Russell T. Davies, and he was he was talking about how he can't drive. Yeah. Okay, he sort of go, I haven't got, you know, which is a thing I learned this week. Russell T. Davies does not have a, a driving license. He said he doesn't understand it and et cetera. And then they went, yeah. <laughs> anyway, 14-year-old Reuben, who despite being deaf, Probably. We did a film on him uh, six months ago. You're probably wondering what he's been up to. No, no one has. <laughs> no one's been wondering that. Um, and, well, he's got an invite to the royal wedding. And Alex then went, oh, I wonder if he's got a plus one. You go, well, he's a 14-year-old boy, and if he has, he's not taking you. Uh, and once again, every time she had an excuse to go, is there a plus one, she said it. And the, when Dan Snow appeared on the sofa later, I assumed that was the Afghanistan guy's plus one <laughs> because they'd referenced it because I didn't know about his sexuality. I just thought that's his boy, his husband or there, something. There was another line where someone said along the lines of, he's going to the royal wedding, and Matt Baker sort of went, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see who he's taking along. And Alex goes, who? Which is a word she likes to hit. Who? 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 And who, Dennis? He said, ah, it's his wife. And she turned to the camera and went, gutted. (laughs) (laughs) She delivered it really well. The crew didn't laugh. And so it made it look like she's actually genuinely berserk about this. Well, then the next day when they were on the sofa, they were talking about going down to it. And they were like, we haven't got an invite, but we're just turning up. It's like, it's really a sore point for them. They really want to go to this wedding. Uh, But I think there is something about that, that they do see themselves as being the establishment. And they do sort of go, who better than us to be there? We know everyone. We meet everyone. We're very clean. We're exactly the sort of people who will go there and be respectful. And, you know, we won't 
piss about. We're not Aaron Barshak. <laughs> Aaron Barshak. <laughs> I would watch a, a one-show video by Aaron Barshak. Um, <laughs> but I, I think you're going to have to explain who he is. Aaron, Aaron Barshak <laughs> was a guy called the Comedy Terrorist who turned up at Prince William's 21st birthday dressed as the then very relevant Osama bin Laden, and he managed to get into the party. It, Look at the millennials' face as you're saying this. It's horrifying. <laughs> okay. Didn't know the word Aaron Barshak. Didn't know the words Osama bin Laden. <laughs> Party, party, no. <laughs> Not the millennials. <laughs> um, Can't afford it, mate. <laughs> but but it was, I, I do think they have that thing of going, we are the establishment. They are, again, the flagship show on BBC One. They've probably met Prince Harry a lot of times doing those slightly worthy things about the Invictus Games or charities that, that those guys are involved in. And I think there is a sense where they sort of go, we should probably be there. We say that once this podcast is up, she might have made it into the crowd and we'll, we'll, rue, we'll rue the moment. It's really simple. We'll edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My handbrake turn. I think it was last Thursday. Sue Perkins was on. And Sue Perkins was um, on with the, I think, chief executive of the NHS. And he'd bought a little gadget, which was a heart rate monitor that you glue, you stick it to the back of your phone. So it's portable and you just touch it with your thumbs and it measures your heart rate. And then, you know, attach it to an app or whatever it does. And, and they gave it to her because she was about to host the BAFTAs. Mm. And this joke about, oh, you're a bit nervous. Oh, have your heart rate monitor. And she said, I'm going to need it on Sunday when I, when I host the BAFTAs. It's going to be, yeah, I need that. And the NHS executive just went, well, we'll have an ambulance on standby. And they went, <laughs> Now, hate crime has doubled in the last five years. A group of women in Doncaster have got the answer. And we hope we do you proud tomorrow night. And can I keep this just in case? <laughs> because I tell you what, on Sunday night at 8 o'clock, that heart monitor's going... <laughs> we'll have an ambulance on standby. <laughs> now, today saw the news that hate crime has doubled in the past five years and more and more women are becoming victims. Well, there is a group... <laughs> that, for me, was a three-point handbrake turn. Yeah. Because it not only went Perkins, heart rate, joke, ambulance, hate crime... <laughs> Oh, my God, hate crime's terrible. But it's all right, because a group of women in Doncaster <laughs> have sorted it out. And I th I was like, this is going to be great. And it, do you know what? It actually was. Uh -huh. It was the package of the week for me. It was, I watched it, and I was like, this is good. It was a group of Muslim women who are, and I didn't see this coming, who are learning how to do fencing, as <laughs> okay. in sword play. <laughs> right. right. But here's what they genuinely said. Here's some Muslim women, and they're, they're, they're fencing in a squash court, obviously. They're learning how to fence. Mm. And you go, well, why this sport? And they go... Because their faces are covered. Because Great. they've got the, Great. the metal hijab. And you go, and also hijab does sound a bit like a fencing move. <laughs> yeah. the, the noise you might make as you do the yeah. lunge. Hijab. 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 <laughs> Millennial's face again in here. Absolutely not. Okay. But, <laughs> but, then they, but then they took the faces off and they interviewed them about it. And mm. what an amazing thing, though. I was like, I didn't yeah. do this. And it, it was helping race relations. Uh, the one item, the little package I really enjoyed, was they showed Jim Moyer, a.k.a. Vic Reeves, yeah. uh, making what can only be described as bizarre wedding commemorative plates. They had one or two couples who were also getting married on the same day as Harry and Meghan. And they brought them in and Vic got them to draw themselves on plates and then he'd draw them and they were commemorative plates. You are getting married on the same day as Harry and Meghan. Why should it just be them who get commemorative plates? Because I want you two to make one for each other. And I'm going to do one of you. OK. Now, what I do... As I scratch into him, so off you go. Offended. 
and he was so sort of unbothered about upsetting them that <laughs> the pictures were really accurate. One of the books looked like the Wolfman. He pointed that out as well. <laughs> I, I liked it because it was a bit of a light touch. It's always going to be a light touch of it, Reeves. They also kept in a great bit where he was talking to them and he was saying, what do you think Prince Harry's favourite food is? And the couple sort of went, oh, I don't really know. And he went, Harry's favourite um, food is sausage, beans, egg and chips. <laughs> What do you think about their dessert? Angel Delights. Let's have a look at these plates. That one is very feminine. Mm. <laughs> I like it. Not sure how I feel about the years or the nose. But other than that, it's great. That's good because it seems like something that shouldn't be in the one show. And that works better because you've otherwise got this very linear, samey feel to the whole thing. Yeah. So stick Jim Moyer in, making offensive pottery, giggling at his own jokes. Great. Lifts the whole thing. It did. There was a great bit which you think they could have reshot that but didn't in the same vein. In that Muslim sword fighting fest. First of all, there was a line about them. Because I was thinking, well, okay, why fencing? You know, you know, they said, well, it's because the fencing outfit it's one sport you don't wear lycra so yeah. actually the, the, the modesty and so on oh, okay well all this makes a lot of sense they're explaining it I said, yeah. this is actually fascinating I had no idea this was a thing <laughs> and then there was a bit where, where they said okay so in this area of Doncaster uh, the communities aren't integrated so they invited one of the Muslim women to go and cook a curry in the very very predominantly white council estate that this happened to be on in, in Doncaster and they interviewed a bloke it was a sort of bloke who guy don't like Muslims don't like him and he got and he got a baby on his lap mm. but you know ordinarily they've clearly gone to him well now do you like the Muslims and he's gone what a kid she came out she cooked curry she's good curry that good curry <laughs> really good curry that yeah um, uh, I could change my entire worldview of that religion <laughs> based, based on this I always thought you know veil over the face hide the face before marriage and that kind of stuff and it's opened my eyes a lot today talking to these Muslim ladies. So it wasn't just about curry, it was about learning other cultures. But as he was doing it, the child on his lap and just saw the, the I'll say uneaten actually curry, so I don't know how much he liked it. And the child was just smashing its hand into the like, yellowest curry. And I, and I was just thinking, that's going to stain. I mean, that's going... <laughs> what I liked about it was another programme might have reshot that mm. and moved the child or the curry slightly out of the child's reach because of the measure. No, just left the child smashing up curry as a sort of metaphor for something I didn't really understand. It was a beautiful moment. And you know what? It was. A, I just wrote, I wrote, this is an interesting film. And it was. Yeah. It really genuinely was. But it ended on a thing I don't understand, where the last line of the film was, for once, people are being joined together by the sword. What is that? What? And I was like, well, I, I, are people divided by a sword? A, a sword is inherently... Vi- I mean, they can be divided by the sword if you do it very... <laughs> if you're very efficient at it, yes. Back to that red wedding again. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a very odd line. And then, you know, they went... Obviously, they went back to the studio where they probably said something like, well, you know, the Queen uses a sword to... To do yeah. I, I, I've got to tell you, I watched three episodes and I didn't see a single handbrake turn this week. And partly I think that's because they are just talking about the same thing. I constantly. didn't think that. I was like, wow, there's not that many handbrake turns purely because when you're only talking about the royal wedding, it's all on brand. It's all perfect. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that, so I got the privilege of watching the bumper hour long Friday episode about the NHS awards. And that was a masterpiece in handbrake turns in the 
giving of the awards, it was like, here's a person who's not going to win the award, but we've only got 30 seconds to talk to them. So here's everything they've done in 30 seconds. Okay, never mind. Now we're moving on to the person who actually won. Okay, never mind. Now we're going to a VT of people talking about the person who won. Okay, now never mind because we've actually got a surprise, which is a celebrity. Okay, now never mind because here's the award. Okay, now never mind because here's the people you looked after and they're here as a surprise. You've made it sound far more brilliant than it actually was. <laughs> it, is, it is not a bad showreel, that. Yeah. That would get you on. That would get you on. When you it, do it in 30 seconds, though. <laughs> in fact, I have the contact of a One Show producer now. Do tell. Well, this week I was contacted by the One Show. Was it from a lawyer? Because <laughs> no, we could, we could well be in a... Surprisingly not. It was someone who wrote to say, I'm a producer working for The One Show and I'm making a film on Roger Moore. I told a story which went viral uh, about how as a boy I spotted James Bond at an, an airport. But he said, I would just like to have a, a chat with Mark to see whether we could do anything. Uh, many thanks and then the name of the producer. And I thought about this and I thought... Two things. I don't really think I see how I could help. It, it would just be a sort of weird thing where I'm retelling a story that I think yeah. you, know, you, you can find very easily and is better told written. I'm not going to add much to it's it. It's a very good story. The second thing I was thinking, John, was I was thinking this is clearly a trap, <laughs> right? <laughs> this came in three weeks after we've started the UK's only podcast about the one show. And... I can't help but feel to myself, this is like a child's way of trapping me to say, we've Googled you. The first thing that came up was this story. Oh, we're making a show on that. Why don't you come in? Yeah. And I have a feeling if they are making a piece, it's a piece about people who are pricks. <laughs> <laughs> and it will, it will fe- fo- focus on me. I will start that Roger Moore story and Matt and Alex will burst in and they'll just go, who the fuck do you think you are? Hmm? Yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are? And that's how it will go out. It, that, that's exactly what we, earlier, earlier today, we met a prick. And it will cut. It will cut. There'll be a voiceover from Anita Rani going, look at this fat fuck shambling his way into a barn house like a prick. <laughs> Hello, do I sit here? Do I sit here, the prick asks. You know? <laughs> Ironically, a one-show piece, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I think it'd be quite funny. I hope, I hope it is so we can talk about it next week. This yeah, be... but, but I genuinely thought to myself, I thought, this sounds like a trap. So I did get back to my agent. I said, you know what? I, I, it's not really for me. I don't really see what I bring to it. Uh, and so she got back and they immediately then got back and said, would you do it if we gave a donation to UNICEF, which is a charity that the story got to raise some money for UNICEF, yeah. which is great. You know, people are very generous. And I thought, oh, you shit. That's like a, that's like a chess move. It's yeah, the bait and the trap. Absolutely. And I thought to myself, oh, God, that's my, my vanity, my vanity <laughs> to want to save the lives of some of the world's poorest children almost <laughs> made me step into the trap. And I got back to my agent. I said, you know what? I'll pay the money myself and I'm not going to do it. Oh. Now, I would say I'm not actually going to pay the no, money of course myself. Not. I, I've raised more than enough for those children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it seems like a nice show. But I just think, I think there was an attempt to either pillory me or murder me. <laughs> now, I know that's a serious allegation to say that the one show would try and murder me. But I think they would have tried to murder me. I think they would have done. But if you had to go, right, mm. which presenter would you like to preside over your death? Let's say it was done, yeah. you know, because we've talked about this before, Ellie, as you know, on the forecourt, you know, outside on the, mm. the piazza of the one show. If they ended the show, it started the show, actually, with Matt and Alex outside, as they like to be, and then walking in, don't they walk into the studio? But, it, yeah. but it's you. Yeah. Um, but what they're doing, because they build a marquee, they build a marquee for the NHS Awards. So they're building something out there. A big some, gibbet. Some, a, big a big gibbet gibbet in the shape what? of Roger Moore. Well, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a wicker you, and, and then obviously at the end of it, you are, you are led in to, to in the, the climax in chains and burned in a giant wicker you. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh no, Jesus Christ! <laughs> All that happening, <laughs> and the kooks playing in the background. 
More fire! To play More fire! To play us out while the prick burns. Please welcome the cooks. <laughs> and you're going to enjoy this because he is a massive prick. Um, <laughs> um, who would I have presiding over yeah. that? So it would be the last person I ever saw. Anita Rani. Yeah. I think not only is Anita Rani a very beautiful, I think more importantly, she's a very, very competent presenter. Mm. She is. And I think she does a very good job, and I don't think she'd mess it up. (laughs) I think like when they burned the martyrs in Smithfield, if you tipped the executor enough money, they'd make sure there was a load of smoke so that you'd suffocate before you burnt to death. Yeah. Now, Anita Rani, the danger is, of course, is she might go, you are a prick. And (laughs) she would then know how to make the fire real really hurt you but I would go for her thinking she may be kind if anyone could suffocate me quickly it would be Anita Rani there you go Uh, it brings us neatly though to our other feature of course Mm. which is uh, if you could kill any presenter we do this because the Walking Dead of course discussed on their podcast discussed cast deaths in quite some detail so we like to bring that idea over here even though no one has actually died on the one show uh, which presenter of any or guest uh, would you like to see die on the one show and how Okay, so I want, you're in the piazza, right? You've got Alex and Matt and they're sat on, you know what would be like a dunk tank? Yeah. And then basically I want that every, every single awkward beat in that show, I want a ball fired at the dunk tank, which is actually into a tank of lava. And basically it's all complete luck, but the more mistakes they make, the more awkward it is, the bigger the chance they die. <laughs> Exciting feature, isn't it though? <laughs> really good. You know, again, this is you should. I mean, you are looking for a job, so technically, I mean, one show producer. I think. I think if because they're the only people who are listening to this anyway, <laughs> as we know. So you know, they could come a call in. <laughs> I want to go back to a Thursday. There were a lot of talk about awards because uh, Sue Perkins was going to do the BAFTAs. Mm. They were talking about their NHS awards, which became the world's most boring television I, I was about to say, I only heard reference oh. to that oh. and it sounded... I, they only mentioned it for 30 seconds and I thought, thank God I missed that. I feel so bad because you look at these amazing people doing amazing things and I'm like, I really want to be pleased for you, but it's so boring mm. that I just... I'm like, I, can't, I don't care. Move on. I started it. Michael Sheen came on to be a sort of... Yeah. Also, they didn't really explain why why it was him that was really it's there. The they don't have to explain anything. Why do you think Dan Snow? Nobody knows. He's just walking past because he's doing something else at the BBC and they drag him in. Right, You watch, the, watch whole the whole but thing. But the fact that one show, it's only the light and shade that keeps me going. I can't watch a whole hour giving awards to people who've pushed a trolley around a hospital. It's very commendable, Let, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. You know, it's but, but I couldn't help I couldn't help but think because they were showing these VTs all week, and I there was an old man of like ninety or something who volunteers in the hospital and everything else, and they spent a lot of time filming with him, and I couldn't help but thinking, well, all right, you're you're now you know being filmed and talking about your your role as a volunteer. But while you're doing that, who's clearing up the MRSA? <laughs> the other thing that I noticed about it is afterwards when they came back to it, they back refed it the day after. And uh, Matt Baker was going, oh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And there is a funny thing about those bits that you can say, oh, you know, the one show, it's shit. And they can always say, yes, but we did the NHS big awards. Uh, we, we spent an hour of primetime television on that. Sorry, is that shit? Do you think that's shit, do you? You hate the NHS. And it's actually a kind of inbuilt way of stopping criticism coming through. Yeah, It's very difficult to say that was bad television. And I think it was 
bad television. Now, I didn't see it, but I know it was bad television. (laughs) You did see it. Was it bad television? I mean, it was a really lovely idea. Again, was it bad television? It was pretty bad television. My favourite thing is, this is like, you know, the flagship show. You'd think they'd have a bit more budget than essentially building what is a gazebo outside in the forecourt so that when someone's giving their really moving tale of how they've helped the NHS, you can hear sirens in the background. I think at one point you can hear the bin lorry reversing. It just really took me out of the scene. I walked past on the day I was at the BBC doing something on that day and they were building the marquee on that morning. So this must have been the Friday morning. Mm. It might have been the day before. And was think- I didn't know what it was for at the time. I guessed the one show because that's all they ever fucking do on that plaza, <laughs> isn't it? So there's just 24 hours to go until we would be giving a very big thank you to all of those who keep our health service going. Look, the marquee is going up Ta-da! just outside. It's going to be very glorious this whole evening. And uh, lending his support, we've got the boss of NHS England, Simon Stevens. But then I saw it on television. Thought, oh, that's the marquee they were building. And at the time I was thinking, marquees are really expensive. Right, if you don't want to get one for a wedding or something, they are expensive unless you're the royal family. We pay for it for them. But I couldn't help but think, why do you just give that money? to the NHS or just to a a charity that would help the people. That marquee was thousands of pounds. That's a massive marquee. I mean, it wasn't even, like, over hot or raining. No. They could have just been outside. Exactly right. When they have the Cubs there, they don't get a marquee. No. But as it was an awards episode, they were sort of talking about it a lot, and they said, well, there's been a lot of talk about awards tonight, but who's going to take home the wooden spoon? And I thought, I don't... What? And it, okay, oh, I see wooden spoon. It's like the joke, isn't it? It's the worst award. You get the wooden spoon. Yeah. So I thought they were genuinely going to do an award for somebody who's done something, you know, bad ha-ha. to the NHS. But no, no, no. We know a man who's got loads. And then it cut to a man, just a film about a man who makes wooden spoons. Oh, God. So, I, you know, it was absolute textbook one show from one thing to the other. That was mm. fine. You know, and you think he's a man making spoons. Then he just sort of said, well, I was in a, I was in a very, very bad, very bad way. And the only thing that was working for me was spoons. And I thought, I'm in. <laughs> he was a bloke and he made spoons. I think my my favourite line of the entire week of the one show, this is for me, line of the week was, so I took my backpack and I went to live in the woods as an itinerant spoon carver. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going and doing a woodland-based apprenticeship, and that's really when I kind of got into spoons. For various reasons, things didn't kind of work out, and the only thing that was working was spoons. Yeah, I just kind of took my backpack and went to live in the woods as a kind of itinerant spoon carver, I guess. It was very nurturing. Uh, the one thing I learnt this week is that I'm not sure the last time Matt Baker actually gave money to charity because they had a load of ladies who had done the moonwalk, which is a, a, a nighttime walk to raise awareness for breast cancer. He said, if you have sponsored, but you haven't sent your money in, then make sure you do that. There's so much money for breast cancer awareness. And of course, a reminder, if you have sponsored and you haven't sent your money in, then... Please do it Please now, do. but that was something so else. Amazing. It really was. And, honestly- and I was thinking, sent your money in? <laughs> the only way you sponsor people over the last 10 years has been you do it online, and it's taken immediately. It's not like a thing where you then have to send it in a package. And I thought, good Lord, that's interesting. That hints to me that maybe Matt Baker hasn't given money to charity since charities have gone online. Now, I know that's a serious allegation. So what I'm saying <laughs> is 
I am sure he has. But certainly the terminology that he used to explain about charity suggested that of a man who hadn't fucking given to charity in at least 10 years. <laughs> and now on the one show, we're going to set fire to a prick who thinks Matt has to give money to charity. Now, I've given money to a burning society. <laughs> and what they do is they burn pricks. <laughs> I've sent me fucking money in. There was, a, there was a bit where they asked you to vote for the NHS Unsung Hero Award. Mm. One of them said, but remember not to vote if you're watching this on demand. And I thought, apart from me, Mark Haynes this week and Ellie Clifford, who the fuck is watching the one show on demand? Who demands the one show? Nobody demands the one show. This week of all of them, just watching pointless build-up to the royal wedding, which will have taken place. Who is watching it? Who? 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 I noticed Alex also doesn't say future. Like you might do. She says, Fucha! Fucha! Oh, if you're, if you're vooing this, on demand. <laughs> on demand! <laughs> there was another, and again, you, they couldn't get away from the royal wedding, of course. Joe Brandon, John Richardson were in. They were desperately, desperately trying to engage them in the world of the wedding. Neither of them, neither of them wanted to be there. No. And, they, and also, that was an hour-long special as well. So they did not want to sit there for an hour and they even said oh cheer up you're with us for an hour and the look on their face they just didn't want to do it do you know it's a bad bit of booking that that's yeah. that moment where I think the producers are actually it's all just one big long con because I'm like there's can't have those two on a sofa together and then on the other side the energy of the one show presenters you just can't no. can't do that so I think it's just the, like the producers having have either of you off. ever been a page boy or a best man, they said, looking slightly awkwardly at Joe for that. And they looked at them thinking, great, we'll get another minute of conversation out of this. And they both went, no. <laughs> and the look of, we've got to move on, but we, where are we going to go now? The autocue wasn't in the right place. You know, it just had this sort of vision of them just going, they've just said no, they've shut it down. And emergency, <laughs> emergency, one show emergency. That to me, though, suggests as well that it is bad producing. They haven't gone through the questions of the basic thing, going, have you been a best man or a page yeah, boy? Yeah. And when they go, no, they can then take that one out. Yeah. You know, is there anything? And that, that is a sort of quite a bad bit of producing in an hour-long show. Yeah. I like to think that both Joe Brand and John Richardson, in, in that producer chat, both went, oh, God, yeah, we've got brilliant anecdotes about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been best man uh, about 100 times, said John Richardson. I was and actually really a fun. page boy myself, says Joe Brand. And yeah. they, as the producer goes, they silently bump fists. Yeah, yeah <laughs> ruin this. And then they just sort of looking at each other going, we'll get them. The show before John Richardson was on, he's doing a show for Dave called The Ultimate Warrior. And Alex, when she flagged it up the day before, she said, coming up on the show tomorrow, Ultimate Warrior. I was like, <laughs> that's a fucking good booking, considering he died four years ago. <laughs> I was really looking forward to that. And what do you think about the royal wedding? <laughs> really exciting. Uh, John Richardson, was when he was talking about the show, and again, you know, I love John Richardson, but he's, you know, in interview situations, he's not the most, he's, that's just the way he is. And he obviously didn't like it, but he had to do it. And they, they showed a little clip of him talking about Anna in that John Richardson way about how he would stack a dishwasher and it was very funny about if you put that there you're going to miss that bit there and then they cut back to him and sort of asked him about it and then he said my my main worry with screens and, and everything else with all of this is that people will will never ever be bored again ever and I'm thinking you want to watch that NHS award special that the one show did <laughs> In my notes, I wrote, not being bored, this is fucking boring, play this forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Under the hashtag, The One Show, I picked up some things that people are talking about that we might have missed. And uh, I'll just give you a couple of them now. Mm. On Tuesday's show, Russell T. Davis appeared, and uh, a guy called Sean 
wrote, Seriously, you ask Russell T. Davis about Doctor Who, but you don't bring up his target novelisation of Rose. Has the BBC got an anti-Russell T. Davis era agenda we're not aware of or something? (laughs) (laughs) And my favourite one of the week was from Simon Ford, which just read, Why is the hairdresser on the one show talking about car MOTs? (laughs) Did you see this little feature? I did. I would say it could be summed up by saying if a car is a vintage car over 40 years, it won't need an MOT. That was done over the course of about nine and a half minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I think only because they couldn't get anything out of John Richardson or Joe Brown. They had to fill some time. The most interesting fact you learned this week is another uh, feature we like to do. Uh, Ellie, did you learn an interesting fact this week? I actually learned a really interesting fact. It's like the one bit of credit I'll give to this show, which is about Queen Vic's mother-in-law giving her some myrtle which is used in the flower bouquets of all of the royal brides. The tradition I like is quite cool. In 1845, when Queen Victoria married her husband, his grandmother gave her some myrtle, and she took that away to Osborne House, her favourite palace, and then she had a gardener, I expect, plant a little bit of it, and then that myrtle plant survives to this day, and all of the royal Mm. brides since then have used a little bit of that myrtle in their bouquet. It's very pretty, isn't it? Very pretty, very pretty. And that was actually a very good fact. I misheard that as Merkin. (laughs) <laughs> I genuinely thought and I did have to rewind it because um, I was the one watching on demand and I and I thought that Queen Victoria had, was, had given the, been given the gift of a merkin part of which was still used to this day <laughs> but I wasn't sure whether it was in a bouquet like, or on the pubis I like of, as well. of, of royal bride part of it is still used today because of course of changing fashions in pubic <laughs> it's got smaller and smaller if we ever revert to the glory days of the 60s we are going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I, I learned that Russell T. Davis, the writer of Doctor Who, is six foot six. Which you wouldn't think, would you? Nope. I learned that uh, Luke from the Kooks gets annoyed by armrest theft. So on yeah. planes and so on, because they asked him what he uh, worried about. This was part of the John Richardson uh, ultimate worrier thing. Uh, and and he obviously had, had to record a VT thing he didn't want to do in front of the, He'd done his rehearsal. They got, oh, before you go, can you just say what worries you? So we playing for John Richardson later, and he's just gone, oh, and he's just going, oh, when I'm on a plane and I, someone takes the armrest, there, that's it, that's all I've got. And they played that in and then, you know, said, John Richardson, what do you make of that? And he's just, oh, I don't fucking care about this <laughs> Couldn't give. That's all. Then they asked a couple of kids in that studio audience bit what their worry was and what John Richardson would make of that. And they'd given him a chart they'd made that the top fell off out of cardboard <laughs> called the Worryometer or something. Uh, and he looked at it with disdain, but he took it from them and, and it'd just fallen apart. It was a bit like, literally a bit of paper. It was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, move this shit arrow up this guy to where so we're and they started with nuclear war and John Richardson went oh fuck it here I don't care <laughs> right. but then armrest theft yeah pretty much there and then they said to these two kids in the audience what, what's, what's worried you and again it looked like bad producing it looked like they hadn't checked their story first because one of them went oh yeah it was today when I was in Greg's <laughs> yeah, right and then a bloke in a mobility scooter and you could hear you could sense the frisson <laughs> Of the gallery and the presenters go, where the fuck is this going? If this kid mentions his ethnicity, <laughs> yeah. we are coming off air. He just go. He's about to say he hates the disabled. He, this is awful. And he just went. This bloke in a mobility scooter. He was just like really rude. And he dro- and he drove it at speed into the counter. And, he, and then he tried to do. Ha He tried to do a turn round. He's like thirty-seven point turn. This fucking. And he go. No, no, no. He didn't say that. But you know that was the inference. And they're all just going. You can't say any of these things now. Stop. Just step away. And then John Richardson go. What do you make of that? And he and he, and he went. 
I'm not sure what the question is. There was one thing this week that, I, again, but they bring something into your life and you watch it at the time and you go, that's shit. And I've not been able to stop thinking about it since. And it was part of when they went to the pub in Windsor where they're preparing for the royal wedding. And they, the owner of the place, which was called the Prince Harry, yeah. had walked into shop carrying two burgers. And they were called the Harry Burger <laughs> and the Meghan Burger. <laughs> and the Meghan Burger, <laughs> excitingly, was a normal beef burger. And the Harry Burger was a full English breakfast in a bun. What have we got going on here? So we've got the Harry Burger for the wedding day. It's basically an English breakfast yep. in a bun. And then we've got the Meghan Burger, which is your classic American Love Meghan it. Burger. Let's serve it up, serve it up, serve it up. Now, has everyone had a chance to have a little taste of the Meghan and the Harry Burger? Yeah. Yes. Do we like them? Yeah. yeah, they like them. So let's, we've only got five sleeps to go. This is so exciting. Let's hear it for Harry and Meghan. And when I saw it, I thought, that is crap. That is awful. <laughs> and since then, all I've thought about is Harry Burger and how much I want one. <laughs> I want to have a full English breakfast in a bun. On Saturday. I can't think of anything but that fucking burger. We're literally going to see you in the coverage on Saturday, aren't we? And you'll be in that pub. <laughs> Harry going, Burger in hand. Are you going to see the, the, the happy couple and going, the happy couple who? Just get me another one of these full Englishes in a bun. And just getting a tap on my shoulder, turning around, and there's Matt Baker there going, well, well, well. Who's the fat fucking prick with the Prince Harry? <laughs> Uh, and as we end, as we should and must, thank God. Any other business, anything we might have missed? It was awful. And I liked that one of their guests that they had on set for quite some time was an inedible cake <laughs> from 1898 that they'd found in a loft. <laughs> so that's it. I mean, that was. I mean, it was slim pickings because at the end of the day, all they did was the bloody wedding. But that is over now, and so is this. Ellie, thank you very much indeed for whatever you did. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Mark Haynes, thank you very much indeed as well. Thanks, John. And remember, when you look at the television to look at the one show, the one show also looks back into you. (laughs) We'll play you out with the kooks. Goodbye. I'm Julia Rayside and I'd like to invite you aboard my podcast. Always There is the only podcast to navigate through every single episode in order of the 1980s seafaring soap opera, Howard's Way. I mean, if we're talking lacquer, we need to go back to Polly, who's got 28 cans of Elnet. It was definitely um, yeah. feeling horrible that you hadn't done your homework. Yeah. Obviously, Lynn is immediately in a bikini. It's, it's a freezing day in, I'm guessing, I was February. I that swing pool looks f***ing freezing. You don't have to love Howard's Way or even remember it. We're going to talk about it anyway, because I think it's brilliant. Jack still feels very much at sea. I can't help reaching for these puns. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's important. He doesn't really acknowledge how grave... What his... an ocean of trouble. Thank you. It is. This is why we got you on your there bloody you see. That's all I've got. I'm leaving now. Available from your usual podcast supplier. Find us on Twitter at AlwaysTherePod. Somebody's nicked my bloody boat. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.